Welcome to Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion and culture with the personalities that shape it. It's a new season of Blamo, and I couldn't be happier to share this with you all. My guest this week is the stylist and fashion consultant Eugene Tong. Originally from Taiwan, Eugene Tong's resume reads like a greatest hits in the menswear and fashion world. A former editor at the now defunct Cargo and Details magazine, Eugene has dressed celebrities like Aziz Ansari, styled runway shows for Kith, John Elliott, and more, all while becoming the king of off-duty style. Eugene and I discuss how his career began, how fashion is evolving, and why he thinks he's terrible at Instagram. Let's do it. Mr. Eugene Tong, thank yes, you so much for coming on. Thank, thank you for having me. This is, uh, so you are pretty highly requested guest and uh by who by whom yeah i'll show you some emails after this really oh yeah wow i mean well i think also you're the only person i've had on who has a instagram fan page or is it called the appreciation page um i don't know let's call my mom and see what (laughs) (laughs) but no uh yes i do i don't know i guess yeah it's a fan fan page i guess dude you're you're a cult legend it's, I mean, in a very small corner of the world that no one really knows about. Yeah, I guess. Hence cult. There you go. <laughs> so it's a pleasure to talk with you. Um, Thank you. We're going <clears> to <throat> talk about a bunch of different stuff, some about details, what you've been up to now. But um, first and foremost, where are you originally from? Uh, originally from Taiwan, but I grew up mostly in New Jersey, South Jersey. Okay. Um, and went to college in Boston and then moved to New York right after college. And... Were you always like, is, was it the fashion game? Were no, it was more New York, actually. Like, for me, it all started with just, like, New York. Like, I just remember coming to New York, like, for the first time when I was in, like, sixth grade. And, like, for whatever reason, like, that energy, I was just like, oh, this is where I want to live. Like, so yeah. I did everything I could to get to New York. Um, and I had, like, as fate would have it, like, I had applied early to NYU, but, like, didn't get in. Right. So then the next college that was, like, in a city was, like, Boston University, which I'd gotten in. I had like Boston University, like Syracuse, like a bunch of schools that were like great schools, but like they were just like not in a city. Mm-hmm. And my whole thing was just like, dude, I'm from the suburbs in Cherry in like Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Like I just wanted to be in the city. So if it couldn't be New York, I was just like, fuck it, I'll just go to um, Boston. I can curse on this, right? Oh, you can say whatever oh, you want. Dope. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna go to Boston then. So I like literally like never been to Boston, like stepped foot on campus for the first day. I was like, okay, I'll just figure this out. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> but like the plan was always like, and then like muddled through like four years of college, like not knowing what I wanted to do, but like just knowing like after college I was gonna move to New York. So yeah. then I just basically like graduated in May, traveled a little bit, went back to Asia to see some family, like most of June, probably July, and then I think I officially moved to New York, like, August, yeah, August of, like, 2002. Okay. And then I just, like, moved here, and then it was, like, I had a marketing degree. Okay, so that's what you studied at Boston? Yeah, like, I had, like, a bullshit marketing (laughs) business degree that I, like... One of those, like, blanket degrees that covers everything? It was, like, the least amount of math, honestly, like, it was, like, it was just, like, I was in the business school, and I was just, like, fuck, like... I don't like finance. Like, this sucks. Yeah. Economics is not cool. I was, I was like, what's the most creative, least amount of math? And someone was like, well, marketing. So I was like, all right, cool. I'll just do that. <laughs> this is literally so, like check the box life guide. It was literally kind of like, I was just like, I wasn't like a bad kid or like, I just wasn't like, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And like, that's and normal. That's outside okay. of like, <laughs> 
oh, if you want to be a doctor, so you have to follow this path or a lawyer or whatever. Like I like didn't want to do any of those things. So I was just like, oh, I'll just figure it out, I guess, as I go. But I knew I needed a college degree. Like, right. That was important to my to my parents and, and to myself and just like for like life in general. I feel like you can't really it's hard to get anywhere besides without right. like at least a college degree. And I was like, at least if I do college, then I'll just be done and then like I can figure it out from there. So it kind of was because I was just kind of like more into like the life, college life, rather than actually like learning anything that was like relatively useful. Well, I mean, it sounds like from what you're saying, so you, you had never been to Boston and you go there. I mean, there's a big sense of sort of independence and like figuring out who oh, you yeah, are. Oh, yeah, you know, and I was like, you know, I'm the youngest of like three children. So like by the time it was like came around to me, like, you know, my parents are pretty lax. So it wasn't like I was like, oh my God, freedom, like, you know, but it was definitely like, I knew like in a city I would have a lot more opportunity to do the things that I was wanted to do, you know, rather than just being like in a suburb, you know, like, you know, which was like, life was great, but like, it was just like, I just knew there was more. And like, I think it also stems from me traveling back and forth to Taiwan and Taipei because that's where like all my family lived um, growing up. So, like, I knew city life. And so I was like, oh, this is so much doper. I don't need, like, to ask my mom for a ride. I can just walk somewhere or, like, get in a taxi and, like, whatever. And, like, right. So it was, like, those types of things. And, like, that's what stuck with me. So I was just like, oh, I just want to be in a city. So I kind of just went to Boston and was like, all right, well, this is cool. Like, met some cool people. Like, I still have friends that I'm friends with, you know. But, you know, I, you know, I have a really nice degree in a frame that's sitting on a floor in my bedroom. You Fire. Know? That's you know, I tried to give it to my parents, but they didn't want it. So like, we don't like, want this. Here's your receipt. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know. Thanks. That's funny. Yeah. There's, there's definitely also like a, a, a group of people and almost like this kind of movement now, people who are, they're going to college, they're not finishing, or they're not even going because they're just like trying to jump into their trade. Yeah. I mean, that and also just like, I was talking to someone, like a family friend whose like daughter was going to college. Okay. Yo, college is fucking expensive. Like, <laughs> I went when I went to school. Like, yeah. that shit was expensive. Like, I was like, fuck, that yeah, shit's BU expensive. Is, that's not cheap. You know, it's a good school. Now, yo, it's like, like a baby Porsche. Like, it's either like, <laughs> yo, I can get this like midlife crisis car, or like send my kid to college. I guess. All right, fine, I'll send him to college. Like, it's like seventy grand to go to college now. Like, that's ridiculous. It is in this country. And this is why, <laughs> I don't even want to get into this. Point, no, it's but okay. Like, don't this worry. is why, like, we're in the shape that we're in. Because, like, it costs $70,000 to get a college education. And that's, like, baseline. Yeah, I was going to say. Because, like, like that's if, not even getting any, like, that's just. You had said you applied to NYU. And that's, yeah. I mean, now, obviously, it's, I think it, someone will tweet at me or tell me. But, like, it's one of the most expensive schools in the United oh, States. I can imagine. And just the living cost alone. Yeah. You know, like, so, that aside. Like, the tuition is one thing. It was just, like. Yeah, it was crazy, man. Thank you, mom and dad. That was, thank you guys for doing that. Yeah, well, I mean, education in general, we won't go too far down this rabbit hole, but like there's, as we're recording this, there are, you know, a bunch of teachers in Oklahoma City who are striking right now because they haven't had a raise in 10 years. Yeah. And they all have to, and this is like, quote, like they're working Uber and Lyft at night and they can't afford to, you know, I mean, it's, it's wild. Like education in general is nuts, but one of the beautiful things, at least of college and what people have is you get to kind of you have your formal sort of training where you get your degree and then you also figure out like who are you yeah i mean that for me was the focus yeah um was just like more like just experiencing 
Who's like, Eugene Tong without his parents behind him? Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Yeah, pretty much, I guess. So you get to New York, and you're like, all right, I got my marketing degree. What's next? So I was like, oh, well, I got I mean, obviously, I have to find a job. Like, I had, like, you know, like, I was lucky. Like, I, like, you know, graduated, and people were stoked. So, like, I got a little bit of graduation money. I had a bit of savings. So I was like, okay, I'm, like, good for, like, at least a little bit. Like, find, like, a fun internship, at least, like, until I can, like, find like a real job or like figure out what to do so at least like one i'll have somewhere to go during the day mm-hmm. and two like for potential employers they won't think that i'm just some lazy sack that's been sitting around for like three months like i was like being proactive at least like nice. making use with my time yeah which i thought was like a great plan but then i was like in my head i was like oh shit like but at least it should be fun right like yeah. so i was like fuck it so like i started looking for like what i thought would be like interesting internships and at that time, I was, like, using, like, my friends from, like, Columbia and NYU's job sites because, like, everything that Boston had was, like, in Boston. They didn't want to be in Boston. So I stumbled upon, I think, on the Columbia site, like, this internship at FHM magazine in the fashion department. Right. And, like, you know, like, during that time, like, nine, like, you know, from, like, 98 to, like, 2002 when I was in college, like, it was, like, lad mags were, like, the sh- like that was, like, the dominant print for, like, dudes like they weren't like reading gq they were no. like reading yeah. like tna magazines essentially about fr- you know just like glorified frat magazines so i was like i <laughs> i was one of them so i was like <laughs> fuck i know this magazine this magazine's dope like whatever like um so i like went in and like i like met i remember i met with uh the fashion editor at the time her name was elizabeth dick and you know we just started talking about fashion and stuff like that and you know like And, like, kind of, like, in the middle, she was just kind of like, wait, like, you graduated already. Like, this is, like, a college internship. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, kind of. But, like, let's go back to talking about some (laughs) other stuff. So I kind of, like, skipped around the thing. And then then basically at the end of it, I was just like, dude, like, I just want to go someplace and, like, learn some shit. Like, right now I'm literally sitting at home, like, watching cops. Like, I've never watched cops in my life until, like. Who watches cops? Dude, no one. (laughs) People who have no jobs. So. Actually, a lot of people, because that show ran for a long time. No, it did. But, yeah, yeah. But whatever. So then basically, like, somehow convinced her to, like, be like, okay, cool. Like, we'll, we'll take you on for the semester. And I was like, sick. So I bought myself a semester. So I started not knowing really anything about, like, I've read magazines, but I didn't, I wasn't one of those kids that was, like, figuring out who put the magazines together. And, like, I just, like, liked dope magazines and dope pictures and cool shit. So I had, like, no idea what I was doing. And, like, right. luckily... You know, the team was small. It was, like, her, another editor, and then, like, their fashion director um, at the time. And, you know, they were, like, super cool to me. Like, I, I, I did all the bullshit that I had to do as, like, the assistant for the group. But, like, they also were, like, yo, like, we, ha- we need help so bad that, like, if you're down to do more shit, like, just do it. So, like, mm. I did all this stuff, like, ran, you know, like, I organized the closet, did, you know, shipments in and out of samples, tracked all that shit. But then, like... They would like, because it was like such a small team, I would like be in on the pitch meeting. So then I would be like, they'd be like, Eugene, like, what are you into now? And I was like, oh, right now I'm like fucking super stoked on these guys that are like, these like Moto X guys that do like backflips on their bikes and shit. And like, they were like, oh, like, what is that about? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I saw like, I would like do research and show them. And then like one time, like for this specific thing, like 
and this was like towards the end of the time I was at uh, FHM. My boss at the time was like, yo, I love this idea. Like, if you can make this happen, I'll send you out there with Nadia, who was like the other fashion editor at the time, to do this story. So I like literally like produced the whole thing, like cold called them. As an intern. As an intern. Um, Cold called them. Obviously, I gave myself some bullshit title. I think I told them I was like fashion assistant or something. Like, that was like the goal, I think. (laughs) And so then, like, I like remember I like spoke to their like manager slash bodyguard, who was also like an up and coming MMA fighter. And like, they were just like, what the fuck? Like, okay, yeah. Like, if you come to Temecula in California, that's where they were at. Like, you come shoot at Brian's house, Brian Deegan, who was like the leader of this group that was like called the Metal Militia, which is like the most badass fucking group. And this was, like, before X Games was, like, super big. So, like, no, like, so, like, they as, like, fashion people or as just, like, normal people, not college kids, like, I don't think they really knew about it. So, they were, like, yeah, this sounds cool, like, you know. So, like, we went out there and, we like, did, like, a fashion shoot with them. And then, like, you know, like, it was fucking dope, you know, and, like. But you did it. But I did it. Yeah. So, like, that and then, like, there was, like, another time when they were, like, oh, we want to write we need someone to write this news piece. And it was like a 50 word news piece. And I was like, okay. Like, so then I wrote that. So like as an intern, like I got to produce that shoot. I got like printed in the magazine. Like, so it was like super cool that they were just like letting me do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So then like basically the first semester came, went by really quickly and they were like, well, what are you going to do now? And I was like, well, I'm still looking for a job. So if you don't mind, like I'll just stay. So they're like, okay, cool. And they were like, well, you know, like at the time they were like giving like $50 stipends or something. And so they were like, well, here's what This is unpaid. This was like, yeah, it was unpaid. Oh, geez. It was was like a fit. Well, I got paid like $50 a week. Right. And so then like, they were like, oh, well, we have a budget stipend for like 300 or something. And so like maybe, and then they were like, what we'll do is we'll just give you all the stipend and then give the rest of the college kids because they're actual college kids like college credit yeah that's which, fair you sure. know back then you could do that yeah so i was like sick like went from 50 to 300 dollars. i was like i'm fucking killing it so <laughs> i was like dope so i started like you know so then i started doing more stuff and then meeting more people and at the time you know there was like complex had just started and to me like complex was like really like where like i saw most of my interests you know that being like sneakers basically and so like i was like fuck like so i met the fashion director of complex at the time who used to work at uh fhm and his name was daniel O. and so i would like hit him every once in a while be like yo like let me come work for you let me come work for you and he was just always like dude i would love to but like i just don't have budgets like we're not hiring like whatever right so about i think probably like almost like a year almost a year in to FHM, I got a call from Daniel and he was like, yo, I jumped over to this uh, new magazine that's coming out and, um, you know, we're starting to hire. Like, do you want to come, like, talk to us about some positions? I was like, yeah, sick. I was like, yeah, let me know. What do you want to, like, what do you guys have? He's like, all right, I'll call you back when we start hiring. Um, So he called me back, like, a few more weeks later and was like, yo, we're like, we got this, like, tech editor position open. And I was like, I mean, tech's you know, cool. I'm Asian. I can't figure it out. But <laughs> nah, like I was like having fun, like doing all this fashion stuff. So I was like, all right, let me know if the fashion team is like hiring. So then a few more weeks, or I don't even remember the time, but he called me back basically and was like, hey, we're looking for an accessories editor in the fashion department. I was like, men's accessories, sneakers, bags, ties. Like, what else could there be? Like, Oh, yeah, sounds yeah, good. Like, go. I was like, dope. 
cool, I'll come in. So I came in, and at the time, that was when they, that, and I met with who, you know, I'm, who I know you talked to, like Bruce Pask, who was, basically they were starting up Cargo at the time from Condé Nast, and yeah. that was the team. And so Bruce was looking for a assist, accessories editor, so I went in, spoke to them. Again, like, same thing with, like, Elizabeth. I somehow convinced him to hire me, even though I had, like, zero experience, had no idea, worked at some, like, FHM magazine, which, like, I Zero experience, great. but you've basically cut your own teeth, you put your own shoots together, made shit happen, reporting on Yeah, like, just, like, figured it out, you know yeah. what I mean? And I mean, so, you, you, you knew your shit, but I knew you were my very shit. humble, which is great. Well, I didn't know, I, like, I knew how to work within the FHM system. Okay. Fair so, which is a little bit looser, you know, to put it nicely, mm-hmm. you know. So then when I got to, so after I convinced him that I knew what I was doing, he was like, okay, cool, you can come be our accessories market editor. So I get there and like, this was like before the, issue, the first issue had launched. I think they had only done the, the kind of the proto. And it was like me, Bruce Pask, um, this guy, Daniel O at the time, who was like my contact in Miguel mm-hmm. and Murado, who's now like, superstar at interview um this guy billy daly like we had a big team because it was like a men's shopping magazine this was like pre-2008 so it was like conde was like building this magazine like they used to and it was just like pouring money and like we just could do basically anything we wanted to do which was really cool but the difference was basically like i didn't know that there was like a difference between like like a fashion editor and like a market editor and like bruce was probably you know the toughest boss i've ever had because he was like this is how you be this is how you should be a market editor Mm. and i was like wow this is like a lot more intense than i thought because like i saw like the way that people that we did things at fhm and it was like this was like on another level and then as i got to bruce no bruce i realized that he came on up under jim moore and under the the gq system and so Mm -hmm. like he had developed his own so it was like very intense in that way well, would you um, mind just like what say just for people who don't know what is the difference between a market editor and a fashion editor? So basically, the market editor, fashion editor is kind of like well nowadays it's like kind of like thrown around, but at that time it was a basically like market editor like you didn't style shoots, you weren't on the shoot, you were in charge of like a certain market, and you went and procured all the stuff for the shoots. So mm-hmm. as the accessories editor, it was like my job to like get the shoes, the belts, the cufflinks, the ties, any type of accessories was like under my um, you know, under me, like I had to provide those things for the shoot. Um, and also know that market, um, which I naively thought was not that big, but then soon learned under Bruce that like, when he said, you know, your market, it's like inside out, like every single brand knowing what they have, you know, cause it was like, we were a shopping magazine. So like, there was no, like, oh this was like for the runway it was like it had to be sold it had to be certain things you know like there was like so i just like got this crash course in like how to be like a proper market editor you know like a proper you know like just like a just doing it the right way you know and you know it was it was dodgy there for a while for me like i you know i'm the first one to admit like i got i you know i had no idea what i was doing and i like was just basically like 
fucking myself over constantly, <laughs> just like disappointment after disappointment. And then like, where's this, Eugene? Yeah, like literally, like I just was like, fuck, like this is like super intense. Like this is like serious work. Like yeah. this is not yeah. like calling metal militia and like coming out and you know watching the new backflips on their bikes. Like this is like I'm in charge of like like shit that's important. So, you know, luckily I had like people like Miguel and like the rest of the team and, and Bruce's patience and, you know, I figured it out. And, you know, I think in, towards the end, you know, I was there for about a year and a half mm-hmm. almost, I think, you know, from like launch to a few months. And um, I think towards the end, I figured it out and I like redeemed myself. But well, like, yeah, obviously in the beginning it, it was... So it was dodgy. So obviously you start kind of climbing the Conde ladder in a way. So yeah, cargo shuts down. Well, no. So then I, well, I had left cargo before it shut down. So basically what happened was, so while I was doing all this stuff and learning things, obviously I was meeting more people, meeting people in the industry and stuff. And so at the time I had met like, um, Suri Kim and Matthew Edelstein and had already known Matthew Martin um, who is now the style editor, style director at Esquire, but also worked with me at Details, and they were all at Details at the time. Mm-hmm. And Damian Nunes was at Details as well, and he had just exited Details to go to GQ. So he went to GQ. So there was an open spot in at Details, and so they hit me up one day and were just like, "Yo, Eugene, like, you know, like, do you want to come talk to us about this job?" And I was like all right, well, what's the job? And they're like, well, we know you're the accessories editor, but we want to see if you would do more than just accessories and become our Paris and American market editor. So I was like, uh, yeah, I'll come talk to you guys about that. So I like went and talked to him about it. And I was like, same thing. Like I fucking somehow, com- I did a project. It was like a much more serious role because it was like a proper editor. So mm-hmm. I had to do like a project for them, like who I thought the details guy was. And you know, it was like all this stuff, just like mood boards and things like that, like old school, like right. build it out and stuff. Um, convinced them, somehow got hired there. And basically was like, yeah, like you guys want me to go to, they were like, yeah, we want you to go to Paris twice a year to the shows, cover the shows for us and cover that market. And then also go to Vegas and do like magic and project, or it was just basically magic at the time. Yeah. Like magic. And I was like, wait, you want to send me to Paris twice a year? You want me to go to Vegas where like most of my friends' brands go for like a few sick. days? I was like, sick. Yeah, like <laughs> where do I sign? Like, yeah. What projects do you need me to do? Like, so like I did it, I, you know, and worked it out and like got hired, you know, and, and then so I left. So I left basically cargo probably, I think, I think at like six months before it folded. Mm. So I had no idea. Like people were like, oh, you have great timing. And I was just like, uh, well, no, they just called me at the right time. And, right. So I just like went over and then I was at details and I guess that was basically the start of kind of like the bulk of basically my career, I guess. Cause you know, I spent almost 12 years at details. So I climbed the ranks, but I just climbed it within details. Right. So I started out as like the Paris market, Paris and American market editor. And then like went through like a bunch of titles. And then, you know, when we folded, I was the style director. So it was like over the course of a long time, you know, yeah. obviously. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like, in a nutshell. But that's, I mean, that's pretty wild. Because here's the thing. I mean, when I had first met you, um, I don't know, you've always had this sort of mystique about you. Like, this is, <laughs> you know, I mean, you have this like cool confidence, uh, 
monochromatic sort of look to you all the time. Mm -hmm. And because I think I saw you at a pity once, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's Eugene Tong. (laughs) And I mean, you were, you know, because I think you were with Pesco or something at that time. But you guys were chill. You were cool. You were nice. And you like become this, this, you were details to me. And, and it's right. funny because details I th- wasn't really, at least when it first started, it wasn't like this fashion mag. And y- you definitely added a, a big fashion part to that mag. Yeah, I mean, I think like, you know, for sure when details first started in its like first iteration, like it was like a, it was more kind of like interview. Like it was a downtown mag. Yeah. It you know, like then it went, stuff. yeah, then it went through a bunch of changes and, and then, you know, Condé Nast ended up having it you know, through their, you know, through Fairchild and things like that. So, and then even while I was there, details went through a few iterations, you mm-hmm. know, but yeah, like, you know, we, towards the end, were like really focused on fashion. Cause like we knew, cause that was like also like when, you know, men's fashion was like really gaining momentum. And so like, there was like, you know, Connie Nast, you know, they're not stupid. They, they know how to run the business. So like they yeah. saw an opening. So they, you know, I think they probably naturally were like, oh, like, like, you know, let's push this, you know. And so that's what, kind of what we did. And yeah, like, you know, like we were definitely a fashion magazine. And, and now you are like 500 different things. You're a stylist, you're a consultant, you're, I mean, you're also, even though you don't, you know, totally admit it, but like, it's true. You are this kind of like celebrity, iconic person within men's fashion. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't know about all that, but, you know, like, I've just been in it a long time. Spring is here, and all I can think about is the travel I have planned for the summer. Travel I wouldn't enjoy half as much if I didn't have my killer carry-on luggage from Away. Away was founded by two friends from New York who found themselves at JFK with dead phones, delayed flights, and a bright idea. Luggage with power. All suitcases are made with a premium German polycarbonate that is impeccably strong. I've been using my Away carry-on for over a year on dozens of trips, and it still looks like new. It's funny, too, because once you get one of these, you feel like you're in a club. I notice other folks with their Away luggage, and I'm like, oh, hey, dude, what's up? Oh, yeah, you got one, too? Yeah, respect. What are you doing? Oh, charging your phone? Yeah, nice, me, too. Right now, Away is giving Blamo listeners $20 off their purchase. Visit awaytravel.com forward slash Blamo and use promo code Blamo at checkout. Don't even worry about shipping. Away has you covered. Last but not least, Away offers a 100-day trial. Live with it, vibe with it, travel with it. If at any point you decide it's not for you, return it for a full refund, no questions asked. So visit awaytravel.com forward slash Blamo and use Blamo code to check out and get moving. Were you, did you jump to styling? Because I knew like you had worked with Aziz Ansari and stuff for a Yeah. Um, no, well, so basically like, so basically in between market editor and style director, mm-hmm somewhere around the middle like the powers that be at details decided like oh like you know like eugene do you want to start styling some stuff Mm -hmm. and so i was like yeah sure like you know like another thing to do like cool like so i started like very like just humbly like you know like i started styling like little things in the magazine and then slowly as my role evolved at the magazine i you know i got put in charge of like all the front of the book style section And so basically I had to style all that stuff. And then we would do like random celebrities. So basically like everything besides the cover and some well stories were like assigned to in-house staff. The rest was like outside stylists. So, you know, like a lot of that fell on me. Um, And so like, you know, I just kind of started styling that way. And then Aziz came about, yeah, like towards probably like 
you know, like a few years before uh, details folded. And that was just like through like a friend who um, had like co-signed me because I like I had I had like styled David Chang as well um, for like a details thing. Mm -hmm. And so my friend Tina, who was friends with David at the time, um, hit me up and was like, Hey, like David told me that his friend Aziz was like looking for a stylist. Like, would you be down? So like, I worked with him like off and on, like did some stuff for him, um, here and there. Um, did you work with anyone else? I mean, was, was styling like becoming like a part of your It was becoming part of my thing. Like, and I was like really lucky because that details, like I had been there for so long. I think at this point that like my EIC Dan at the time, um, was like cool with me doing outside stuff. Like as long as I like cleared it with him and sure. like it didn't interfere with, with, and it wasn't like a direct conflict, you know, of interest or whatever. Like I could, I could basically do it. Yeah. So I started like doing that, and then that was, and then that happened, and then like I didn't really do. I did like a few jobs for like Neo, like as like one-off jobs. I did some Macy's campaign for him for his Alfani line. There you go, is, fire. Yeah, that shit was dope. <laughs> um, so like it was like doing like random things and then also styling at the magazine. And then did you have anyone that was kind of like helping explain to you like how to build out the styling business? Just because like so I was a stylist for a bit. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've said before, like on other pods when I was talking to Matt Henson, mm -hmm. I wasn't like totally crashed and burned. And I basically probably lost around like six or seven grand. Wow. In the grand scheme of things. And I was like, you know, I worked with Orlando Bloom for yeah. a bit and like Paul Rudd and Mark yeah. Ruffalo and all these like dope so dudes. Happened? I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I mean, so I'll, I said, I'll, I'll repeat it, but very quickly. I worked under Brillstein Entertainment, but mm -hmm. I worked for um, Aline Kashishian, who was their manager at okay. Brillstein. Shout out Aline, which yeah. she definitely doesn't listen to this <laughs> and and uh i because i met her when i was with nick sullivan at this uh this watch party for right. richard meal uh because nick was like kind of taking me under his wing a bit mm -hmm. and uh i met aline and she was like oh i love your scarf and i was like oh this is like my friend's brand it's called running the mill where you're doing yeah. this stuff and she's like oh if you ever want to work together and so i was working in the music industry right. at the time and i went to la and i was like yo i'm here you want to hang? No response. Yo, I'm here. No response. And then finally, I get a response from her assistant. It's like, Aline will meet with you at this time. And so I like beg my boss it, at Matador, Chris Lombardi, to bring me to the office. He's like, what are we doing? And I was like, I'm trying to get this styling gig. He's like, but That's you dope. work. He's like, you work for us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not driving you to another job interview. Yeah. He's like, yeah he's that like, was actually bold on your part. Good, good, good work on that. Convincing your current job to. Yeah. And so he sat out in the car. <laughs> and he waited for you? What? <laughs> well, yeah, because like it's on, it's on Wilshire. And right. like I, we were in Silver Lake. And so I go to meet her and I sit down and she goes, what do you want? And I was yeah. like, um, by the way, she has like 15 Academy Awards behind her. Yeah. And I was like, oh, crap. Like, she had managed, you know, Brad Pitt and, yeah. and uh, <laughs> yeah. Adam Sandler. Like, who, who are you again? Yeah. But basically, to, to, to go back, like, my setup with her was I worked for her clients for free day to day. Like, but then she would put me on their writer for press tours. Yeah. See, like, that's something that I learned was like, that's like the biggest, like, BS. You know what I mean? Well, like the whole like yo like <laughs> you know like the whole like oh well, 
once it's like a studio thing, then like money will come. Yeah. You know? And it's yeah. like, yes, that's true. And I've experienced that. But uh, yeah, there's more of the other stuff than the studio stuff, you know, like. Of course. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that was probably not a good move on your part. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was young um, and dumb. For me, it was just like, I luckily, because I had details, it was like built in. Like I had the built-in support system. Like I had the uh, built-in creative director. I had the built-in yeah. roster of photographers. I had the built-in market editors that went and got me the stuff. So for me, I figured it out. I never like assisted style, like styled, mm-hmm. like assisted anyone, which probably, I mean, you can tell from my shoots because sometimes my shoots look like shit, I think. but Not true, but go ahead. Um, but like, you know, I just kind of figured it out. And I'm, like, by nature, like, pretty OCD, as you can probably tell. So, like, and I think that's, like, a quality that, like, a stylist, like, if they have that, it's, like, a good, like, it's, like, a a positive thing. Because, like, you're trying to, you're basically catching all the little imperfections. Right. And trying to fix everything, right? So, because your attention to detail is so crazy because you're, like, just OCD and you're, like fucking compulsive crazy person so like that for me like i think helped a lot um and then just like practicing through all my shoots you know because like at the time like you know like i had literally like like i said like i had a built-in thing because like i had to produce shoots i had to produce images for the magazine every month Mm -hmm. so i just figured it out and like i just had like really great mentors that were like patient with me and like a creative director that was like okay well like clearly you don't know what you're doing but here let me teach you and so like you know like it was just like everyone it was just kind of like that's why i love details it was just like a little family so like everyone just took care of each other so i basically just like honed my skills there um and then you know really i don't think anyone really because you know like we don't get actually at the time we did but like sometimes like as a if you work at the magazine like you don't get like a byline like you don't get a credit Mm, it's just you know okay but luckily, like, my creative director at the time was like, fuck that. Like, this is everybody's work. Like, I'm going to list out who has, who does oh, work. Cool. So I always got, like, you know, so that was always really nice. So it was, like, things like that that I think people were just, I was just lucky to have the people around me that I had to help me and to, to support me and to, like, encourage me that, like, I was, like, okay to do this, you know? Right. Because um, you've evolved since then, obviously. I mean, and I, I don't know if... if I mean, we'll, we'll jump to the fact that, like, your post-details life, I mean, you do all of John Elliott's runway shows? Yeah, now? so basically the runway thing started really with public school. Um, public school, when they were coming back out, Yeah. Um, Dow, who's one half the designers of public school, hit me and he was like, yo, like, we're relaunching public school. Um, and... We want to know, we're going to do, a, we're in this program for the CFDA called the Incubator, and we're going to do like a presentation for the first time after like basically taking a hiatus for like two years. Right. And, uh, and he was like, we want to know if you want to style that. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like I was friends with them at the time. And so like, and I was always a fan of the brand and mm-hmm. I feel like I, you know, we covered it in details when they first launched. And that was definitely someone that I looked up to and, you know, I had, new max at the time you know and so like it was like it just like it was like oh yeah like a fun project with my friends because it was you know it wasn't paid or anything it was just like hey do you want to help us out with this so that's really when i started so then after that 
and after like the first two or three, I think, presentations with them, like, and they started really making noise. Um, they were in a showroom called Denise Williamson at the time, and Denise approached me like a few seasons later and was like, hey, I'm working with this brand, John Elliott, and they really would like to know if you would style their show because they want to come show in New York. And I was like, oh, like the base, you know, it's fucked up and I'll admit it. And I apologize to him since then. But like John had emailed me separately, like when about the line, not about the show, but just like, hey, this is my new line, whatever. And sure. I was at details at the time and I, I was kind of like, ah, whatever. And I just like didn't pay attention to it really. Well, and then also you're getting like, there's yeah, like 800 I was, yeah. other things. And, but like his shit was like actually, and I admitted to him, like it was actually like sincere, like to the point, it wasn't like a blanket PR, like, hey, you know, cause yeah, I got a lot of that shit. Yeah. But basically like, and then he became like, you know, kind of, he did something with GQ and then became yeah, kind of like- Yeah, best new menswear designer. Yep. So then he became kind of like the GQ. So then we were kind of like at details of like, oh, well, okay, well that's GQ's thing. So like, we're yeah. Not. So great. basically, so- but Denise was like, hey, these guys are like really, would love for you to consider to style them. And so I was like, yeah, sure. Like I'll meet with them. I met with them and they, they were super cool. And so I was like, yeah, for sure. Let's do that. So then I started styling for them. Um, and then, you know, then after those guys or around the same time as those guys, I was doing public school. Then I was doing John Elliott, you know, Billy you, Reed. At the time, yeah, you're doing basically the three biggest American brands. I mean, I don't... It's okay. I, I, in right. terms of, like, hype and stuff that was moving the needle. In different ways, yeah. I think so, about. yeah. Like, in their own... Yeah, so they... And they're also three very different-looking brands. Yeah, so that was what was cool for me, like, when Billy called me, because Billy Reed was, like... I had known him already, and I covered his stuff, and throughout the years, like, we've known each other. I, you know, I was at... Me, Josh, and him, shotgun beers at his store opening on Bond Street. Like, <laughs> it was fucking cool. Like, we've just known each other for a long time. Right. And... Um, so when he had called me, I was like super into it because it was like, PS was like this kind of like at that time, like a little bit more avant-garde full fashion forward type of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, John was like also kind of like this more kind of street kind of luxe streetwear kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so people were kind of, and that was both those brands were kind of like more my style, personal style. Right. So I think people expected me to do those brands because it was like, oh, it's like pretty, you know. And so Billy presented a thing where it was like, oh, it's like not me, but like I love the stuff and I think it's cool and I and we see eye to eye on where it should, how it should look. So it was like nice to do that because it was like different. So each one like kind of were they were all different. Hmm. And then in between that or even earlier than that, I think I was like doing this other brand which. They don't, I don't think they even exist anymore, but Raleigh Denim, I had done a few presentations for. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was just kind of like starting to do all these like fashion sh week shows. And I was like lucky enough that like, number one, the magazine let me do it. Yeah. And number two, I had the team that I had at Details to like help me, like cover for me. Because, you know, like I ended up, I would miss shows. Like I would miss, so I would have to be at a casting or I would have to be at like a fitting or like, you know, things like that. And I try to arrange things around things. but. At that time, it was like really towards the end of details. It was actually like I would basically like had two jobs. So I was like working a bunch freelance, but then also just being the style director at details. So, oh wow! So it was a lot. Um, and then, but 
that the good thing about that was it allowed me to once when details folded because that came out of nowhere <laughs> yeah um yeah that was and so it kind of forced me into this freelance life but i had i was like a little bit less worried because i had already had a few clients like i was already doing work in be- like during fashion week so i was like oh i just have to figure out in between fashion week right so that kind of how i transitioned to what i'm doing now which and is is a lot of basically consulting. It's not. It's basically, it's, I've kind of basically carved it into three kind of hats. So like, and they kind of can interplay, but like, it's like basically like three services that I offer, I guess. It's like one is like obviously styling and that could be anything from shows to, um, you know, like a, like a fashion shoot or a campaign or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do as much editorial work anymore, I think. Just, I think. I, uh, when I first got out of details, I I think I probably said no to a few things I probably shouldn't have, but like, I was just like kind of burnt out and like bitter. So I was like, no, I'm not doing that. So, Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't do much editorial, but I would, if anyone wants me to, (laughs) um, I, I did that. I did like a W men's, uh, I did like a men's W issue for them. One, one off. Okay. Um, but since then, I haven't really done much editorial. So it's like styling for that. Um, so it's just like styling in general. Less celebrities. I've realized like I don't, I'm not good at the celebrity thing for like obvious reasons like you spoke about. But then also just like I just don't, I just don't like fighting with people yeah. on shit that I know I'm right. That's... You know? like, like it's my job not to play you out. So like don't fight me on some shit and think that you know better than I do because there's a reason why you have me. Exactly. And so there's a, so I'm like really bad at that part of that whole styling game. So like, I just don't do it, you know, cause it's just like, yeah, you know, I probably, I'm also just not good at like doing, and I'm just not, well, you know, a, I think like, like you said earlier, too. like, yeah, there's definitely a politics, but I think there's also like you said earlier, where like, I'm glad it comes off that way, but also it's like the, the, aloof coolness that you that you spoke of or whatever however you put it more eloquently like for me it's just like i'm just more i'm just shy so like if i don't know you and we're not introduced like i just i'm not that guy that's gonna be like oh what's up like i'm you know and at the time like (laughs) my biggest fear was like having to go up to someone be like hey i'm eugene i'm the style director at details you know like it's (laughs) fucking lame you know like to have to like announce yourself as like your title which like that's fair i understand you know so like it was so Basically, like, I'm not good at that, like, so, like, I don't, I probably don't know as many people as I should, I didn't, haven't kept up relationships as much as I should, I guess, but I don't know, like, it just was never me, you know, like, so, right. so whatever, so, like, I do that, so the styling portion of that, and then consulting, which is really f- cool, because it's, like, basically being an editor, but, like, finally being paid for it, you know, like, yeah, and then, you know, that's like kind of dependent upon the client, you know, like how deep I go in, but it's anything from like, you know, helping them kind of work through their collection or coming at the end and giving critiques or working on specific projects for them, whatever it may be. And then the third part, which is kind of like my least favorite, but necessary these days, um, is kind of like the social media influencer world, which I kind of just try to keep to a minimum. And, um, also, most of that stuff's in Asia, so like I, people don't have to, people don't see it here, which helps. Wait, wait um, a sec. Can we can we go in on the social media for one sec? 
Yeah. So your social media yeah. is kind of perfect. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you because there's just enough stuff that I'm able to keep the illusion of, right. of who Eugene Tong is. Right. But then I hang out with you and I'm like, dude, this guy is so chill and relaxed and like, you know, yeah. just this normal guy. But your, your IG is just like, even, okay, even when you're doing um, shows, like when you did John Elliott's show, yeah. there's just enough that I'm like, oh, dude, what does he work? I think I saw something there. Yeah. And that's it. And like, I don't know who taught you how to do that. I don't know if it's like a magazine details thing that you learned or whatever, where it's like just enough to get people stoked. Not, not too much. You don't really see the wizard behind the curtain. I'll put that away. I, <laughs> again, I think it's like, and I've said this a lot throughout my career, but like, I think people give me more credit than it. It's not really that. I don't think it's that thought out. Like for me, it's just like, I don't. Well, that, there's a talent. I don't know. There too. I don't. I just think, you know, maybe I'm old school and I, I am, I'm old, you know? So like, I just don't think my business needs to be all out there like that. Like, or yeah, I need to put everything out there like that, you know? And, and actually I've, it's funny that you say that my Instagram is good because like I've talked to people at Instagram and they were like, your Instagram is not good and you need to post more and you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to engage more. And blah, blah. Cause I'm also like, was this Eva Chen? There's some people at Instagram. So, you know, I, lo- I love her. But yes, yeah, she like basically told me at the Yeezy you. show at Madison Square Garden. And she like, I sat next to her and she like broke down my shit and was like, this is why your shit is whack. But here's the thing. It's not because you have no, the But following. it's just different. I think yeah. it's like, you know, she's talking from like a business standpoint. Business standpoint and she broadcasts know? everything. I had to. She's she's got her own pose, man. She's a yeah, boss. I know like, she is. I mean, she's the head of fashion partnerships yeah. for Instagram. Eva she's, Chen yeah. is a G. So so basically, like I I don't know. I just do it how I do it, um, the way that I think. I I also like I don't know. Maybe, again, it's like different, like a generational thing. I think like I'm not like I feel like, it, and I hate saying this because it makes me feel so old, but like. The generation now, like, it's about bragging. Like, you just brag about everything. Like, look at me here. Look yeah. at what I bought. This is this. And check this out. And look where I am. And look who I'm friends with. And I just, I don't operate that way. You know what I mean? Like, I operate more just like. Authenticity? I get, I mean, I'm not saying that that's not authentic. You know, maybe, maybe that's what people strive for in life. But like, that to me is not. <laughs> it's empty and lonely, man. It's not what I want to do, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, and so for me, you know. Instagram's a necessary evil. And so I try to kind of keep it, you know, as, you know, and also I just think like, you know, through kind of just my career and what kind of transpired through my work and through the internet, like, you know, there's just like a lot of pictures on the internet of me. Like, I don't think I need to put out more. Like, you know, I'm not really the selfie type. And so like, I just... For me, it's I'm actually like retracting more into my. You can archive posts now. I went through my Instagram recently, oh, and yeah. I was like, I, I discovered that. I discovered that like a few months ago, and yes, there's definitely things archived. And I was like, it. Yeah, that's. There's gone. definitely things earmarked to be archived <laughs> as soon as contracts allow. Okay. Um, but you know, like, yeah, like you know, for me, Instagram is it's it's dope. I like it. You know, it's like super useful. Um, I just don't think I need to broadcast everything. You know, and so I just don't. 
I'm very, I guess, I, I guess, I guess I am calculated, but to me, it's just kind of how I want to present myself on there. Like, yeah. And I mean, I think that's great. And also that's, you know, you're speaking about this stuff, like it's second nature, which is awesome. And it's who you are and that's authentic. But the interesting thing is this is really what a lot of brands truly, truly want is that they want to be cool and they want to be respected, but they don't want to be front and center with a spotlight on them. Because to be honest, the ones that are front and center with the spotlight, and I've talked to some other people about this, it, those, they don't really last that long. And like, I mean, I mean, no one wants to fuck with people that are thirsty, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, the thirst is real, right? Yeah. So like, just don't be so thirsty. You know, like, it's like people want things too quickly now, right? Like brands want things too quickly. Individuals want things too quickly. It's like, if you really genuinely are doing something cool, I, I at least believe that like people will come regardless. Like they'll find you. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you don't need to broadcast it. And I actually think like that's like the opposite. Like you're like out there like, yo, yo, look at me, look at me. I'm cool, I'm cool. Like then to me, you're not cool. Cause like, <laughs> you gotta tell me you're cool. Like, yeah. Like I wanna find some shit that I'm like, fuck, this shit is cool. Like I found this. Not like, oh shit, like, you know, whatever. I don't know. Well, I mean there I'm are going people. Off on a tangent, no, but... no, no, it's fine. There are people that I follow on Instagram, uh, you know, and this makes me sound super arrogant, but like myself, like, you know, like you, like I want to be conscious of how I'm presenting myself. Like I want to, you know, obviously I'm trying to do this pod, which is important to me, mm-hmm. but I don't want to like be up in people's face. I don't, you know, yeah. and uh, there are people that I follow because I'm like, cool, if that guy's doing it, I need to make sure I'm not because, <laughs> <laughs> because like, all right. And it's not like he's bad or, you know, it's not even a he or a she, it's a it, it's a they mm-hmm. that I am able to because th- they're like, okay, this is the person who's taking it off the rails. And so I'm able to kind of like look at that and basically educate myself on how to restrain. Maybe yeah. I'll I'll use that word. I, yeah, I think that's a great word to use. I think restraint. I think there yeah. needs to be more of that on social media. For sure. Know? So, yeah, so uh, you know, I'm I'm fortunate to have, you know, this social media presence, I guess. I don't even know really how to describe it. But, you know, it, it, it hasn't hurt me. You know, it's helped, you know, for sure. Same thing as street style. Like, I, it's a double-edged sword. Like, I didn't, wasn't, like, trying to be out there, like, you know, getting shot up. But it happened. And, you know, so, you know, and it's definitely helped my career. It's never hurt my career. And so I think that's yeah. the same thing as Instagram. Like, you know, like those things i guess matter now unfortunately and so yeah like you know i'm okay with it i'm not that out there with it but i'm glad you think i'm doing a good instagram job because i just constantly think that i'm not no no you're good go back to that yeezy show at msg where (laughs) i just was like you're living life wrong like i was like wait what do you mean like this is that's what she led with no 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 okay i was gonna say she's obviously dude no she's like way more eloquent than that she like definitely came at it on some shit where, like, I was like, oh, fuck, like, you're right. But that's not me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not doing that. There's, that, that's really funny. So there's, um, one of the last things we'll wrap up with is, like, your style and, like, you know, I don't want you to explain everything because it's you. But, like, I have looked at photos of you in the past and I've, when I have worked with other clients and stuff and people have told me, they're like, oh, this is our guy. And yeah. it's basically you, your photo with your head cut off. Right. And it's funny because I think your style is, 
impeccable, but it is probably the hardest to emulate because it looks like it's the easiest to do. And it is completely not. Yeah, but it 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 kind of is. No. Like this no. people say this to me a lot. Not a lot, but like people have said this. This is not like something new. Like I've heard this from other people, but like it's not. It's just like again, I think it's like, you know, maybe like you said, it's like second nature, but like you just have to pay attention to the details, right? So it's like everything is, you know, like you see me most of the time I'm just in a white tee, probably black pants in the summertime. Like mm-hmm. that's probably like my go-to uniform and uniform dressing in general. But like, you know, it's, it's about the white tee that I think fits me the best, that I think is the best quality that I can find that works for me and the pants, you know, the same thing. So it's like, mm. even though it's just a t-shirt and pants, like, and that's why the whole, like, I always say like, use photos as like inspiration. Like don't just try Not to Not as recipes. Yeah, because yeah. like, it doesn't work, you know, it's the same thing. Like, People are like, oh, shit, like, I look so, like, you know, whatever. Orlando Bloom looks so fucking cool in that. You know, why can't I look, like, look cool in that? And you're just like, dude, because he's fucking Orlando Bloom. <laughs> right. And you're, like, 50 pounds overweight. Yeah. And, you know, like, whatever, you know? So, like, it's hard. It, you can't, it's not a direct correlation, I think, in that way. I think it's just more about understanding your body type, understanding what works for you, understanding you know, I think restraint is like not a great word to use. Cause I think like restraint of just knowing like certain trends work for you and certain trends probably don't work for you. Right. You know, and knowing what, and then, you know, and then being 100%, you know, confident in, you know, what you, you know, your appearance and, and what right. you're comfortable in. And I mean, look, for me, I was very lucky cause I, I, you know, I was exposed to, a lot of things and all I, I saw all the brands so like you know like my knowledge was built and i was amongst probably the most stylish people in the world you know so like you know like where i am today in terms of my personal style to where i was when i first started in the magazine world was very different you know and it's like something with age that you get and you become comfortable and i know certain things and i also just never felt the need to chase trends you know i think that's just from me my being an editor i was just like i have to just kind of stay neutral you know mm-hmm. like that was always my thought like oh let me try to stay neutral like let me not try to do too much because perception will be that we're like going in that way or whatever you know so i was always like how do i dress in a way that can kind of still live amongst all these people but you know still remain so like that's why like i'm not hyper trendy on some shit you know and you know, I just, there's certain things that I just don't compromise on and, and haven't. And luckily things have swung my way. You know, like when I first started in the street, for sure, it was not cool to wear sneakers every day. And yeah, cause you were like Mr. White sneakers. Yeah. And I was like all about it, you know, yeah. and that was my thing. And, and, and I just, I, I loved, you know, I was came from the sneaker world of like loving sneakers. So like, there was no way that like, unless I had to. I was going to wear, wear like, lace-ups. Like, you know, even the whole, like, during the double monk craze that, like, every <laughs> motherfucker was on that shit. And, you know, Josh was leading that charge. Yeah. You know? I was still, John like... John Lobb, William Tews, I was man. still, like, nah, man. I can't do that. Like, I'm not... That's not me, you know? And it wasn't... I was, like, always just more of a sneaker guy. Yeah. And it wasn't until everything kind of shifted in my direction, luckily, that it was, like, cool. And, like, everybody was, like, you know... That's true. 
Yeah. Like I remember like, you know, like, and I always remind him of it because I just like reminding him of it. But like, I had like, you know, I was lucky enough to like be one of the first few people to get a pair of Achilles from Common Projects. Like that's how new it was at that time. And I was like, fuck, those are dope. And I like begged Miguel and Miguel like somehow made it happen and got me a pair of Achilles that I ended up wearing for like eight years, like literally eight years. That's the ones from your Mr. Porter video? No, those were like Mr. Porter ones. They, they, oh, actually, maybe I did bust those out. I don't know. You had some old ones and some new ones. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I like definitely. Eugene did a video from Mr. Porter about how to clean and take care of your white tennis shoes. It's actually really, really good. It's actually like, it's fire. The biggest joke because like people love watching it because they think it's hilarious, like how artificial I sound and whatever on there but yeah it's, it's awesome a, yeah it's on there if you if you need some tips a lot of it's basically it's a basically a free ad for jason mark but <laughs> hey it's what i use and yeah i trust it um but yeah so yeah i don't know like for me it's just like i don't know i don't think my shit is that difficult it's just about knowing what works for you and you know finding the best like i was always on this mission you know and that's like being a marketer like i was always on the mission of like finding the best versions of things that i love mm. you know the best version of an m65 jacket a best crew neck sweatshirt like a bet the best hoodie the best pair of jeans like you know like right and i just kept upgrading you know like it's like i always use the examples of like you know like as i got older and as things progressed and more knowledge i gained and the more financial you know ability i gained like Merino wool became merino wool. Merino wool became cashmere. Cashmere became Brunello Cuccinelli. Brunello Cuccinelli became Laura Piana. You know, like whatever and so right. on. And then, but it's the same thing. So, like, if you look into my closet, a lot of times, a lot there's certain things that just have. I have like literally like ten black sweaters, but it's like a progression in my mind of like to the ultimate, the sweater. ultimate black sweater. Yeah, you know, and then the ultimate jean or the band pant or like whatever like whatever it can be you know and hmm. so that's kind of always how i kind of attacked it and so like that's kind of how i just always did it and you know for me it's super it's super simple like i'm not it's not it's not rocket science there you go just knowing <laughs> what looks good on because cool. what looks good on me may not look good on you that's true trust know? me i've tried and <laughs> <laughs> yeah like yes <laughs> awesome uh well this was really really good i, I can't thank, thank you, you enough for coming on yeah um, this is cool all right man take thank care it's so good much. talking to you bye you've been listening to blamo our theme music is by tan lines if you like this episode there's plenty more to dive into at blamopod.com listen to blamo on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher google play or wherever you get your podcasts while you're at it please leave a review it helps let others know and discover the show Follow us on Instagram at Blamo Podcast or send us an email at info at blamopod.com. See you next week.